To those of you listening to us on the internet and to our men and women in our armed forces, wherever they may be, and to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this 13th Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel for this day. You heard it read before. I recall just these words. The Pharisees and scribes asked Jesus, why don't your disciples follow the traditions taught by our ancestors? They are unclean because they don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus told them Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites in Scripture. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is pointless because their teachings are rules made by humans. And then towards the end of this chapter, which is not part of the reading for the today, but uh, is an explanation of the reading for today. He continued, it's what comes out of a person that makes him unclean. Evil thoughts, sexual sins, stealing, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, cheating, shameless lust, envy, cursing, arrogance, and foolishness come from within a person. All these evils come from within and make a person unclean. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who washes us clean, not only by taking our sins off of us and being punished for them, but also by giving us his righteousness and his holiness so that we may be clean in the presence of our Lord God, my beloved. Uh, I think it's true to say that ever since uh, little childhood, our childhood, we were taught how to wash our hands. I, I remember still wa- uh, teaching our little kids and sometimes my grandkids how to wash their hands before they eat and say, put your little patties under the water now and we'll put a little soap on there. You rub them together because we have to get the dirt off. And, of course, we adults know that there is another reason for washing your hands. That's also so that there's no transmission of germs or disease. And that's all good hygienic washing. And that's not what Jesus is talking about today. You see that picture on the front of your bulletin looks like somebody's washing their hands. Jesus was uh, addressing, and he was very uh, aggravated about a ritualistic or a ceremonial hand washing that was prescribed by the leaders of the church found nowhere in Scripture. went sort of like this. If you didn't wash your hands, then you had dirty hands. And if you would eat with dirty hands, that would make your food dirty or contaminated. And when you ate that food, then your soul would be contaminated. Now, I think uh, we know where this uh, false teaching came from. It was probably a misinterpretation of King David in Psalm 24 when he wrote these words. Who may go up? To the Lord's mountain, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, it was very true that in the Old Testament, God had commanded certain washings. And I think you've heard me say before, you know, in the Old Testament, they didn't have iPhones, they didn't have uh, televisions, they didn't have all that video equipment. And so many times God would 
give to his people visual aids to communicate to them some of his spiritual truths. One of the things was some ritualistic hand washings. For instance, the priests, God's priests, before they could go into the temple, they always had to wash their hands and their feet. Before God's people came to uh, Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, God says, you go home and you wash your clothes and you wash, then you can stand before me. And the illustration that God was giving is that dirt is a symbolic of sin, cleanliness is a symbol for holiness. So you got to get rid of your dirty sinfulness before you can step into God's presence, a nice visual aid. Over the centuries, the religious teachers of uh, the Jewish church changed that all. They came up with a whole bunch of traditions that were not found in God's word. In fact, somebody calculated that if you'd put all these traditional uh, rituals that they came up with, not in God's word, it calculated to some 613 new traditions. But the thought process again was this, not wash your hands, hands are dirty, food is dirty, goes into your body, your soul is defiled. Not acceptable to God. In other words, what you do or what you don't do makes you either acceptable or unacceptable to God. And so the Pharisees on this particular time criticized Jesus because his disciples were not washing their hands before they ate. Therefore, how could they possibly have pure hearts? You remember what I just read, what Jesus' response was? He says, you hypocrites, you're just like what Scripture says. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Your worship is pointless. Did we ever, as Lutherans of the Lutheran Church, ever have any man-made traditions that we followed that weren't anywhere in Scripture? Oh, you bet we did. Remember back to the days, some of you, unless you have a whole lot of gray hair, you can't even remember these days, and some of it goes back to church history. I Uh, my seminary professors would tell us there was a day in the Lutheran church when it was Communion Sunday where all the men sat on one side and the women and children sat on the other and the men went to Communion first. I wonder who was that courageous lady who broke that tradition, sat with her husband. And then there was a tradition that a woman would not be seen dead in church without a hat on. And then there was the rule that uh, if you wanted to go to communion on Sunday, you had to register in the pastor's office, either on Friday or Saturday. And if you didn't register, why, then you couldn't go to communion. And then somebody misinterpreted uh, Luther's statement, and the church only celebrated communion four times a year or quarterly because somebody said that's what Luther said. He didn't say that at all. What he said was if a person doesn't desire Holy Communion at least four times a year, you'd have to question that person's Christianity. Communion four times a year. And then there was um, the uh, way back in church where uh, all of a sudden, after uh, quite a few years here in the United States, more people in our churches were speaking English than German. But try to change that, you know, and have English uh, spoken instead of German in the church. The pastors used to say, everybody knows God speaks German. And then there was also the traditions of... uh, of the what we changed from the King James Version to the New International Version. <gasps> In fact, I know of a story of one lady who actually quit the church because they weren't reading the King James Version with these and thous anymore. But the worst of all that I can remember were some of those Gothic, Gothic freestanding altars that you could go behind 
And one church had the tradition that you started out on the left-hand side getting the bread, and then you went around the back of the altar where there was an offering plate, and you would put your offering in there. I guess it was to defray the cost of the wine or the bread years ago. And then you could go out and get the, the wine and then go back to your seat. Sort of like pay communion, isn't it? If you didn't have any cash that day, then you couldn't go to the Lord's Supper. You see, church traditions, man-made traditions, are not always necessarily beneficial for the church. But what Jesus was really hitting on with the Pharisees was their insincere worship. They were going through all the... And you know what the Pharisees actually did? They would go through a big display out in public, dipping their hands in bases of water, lifting it up like this so that the water would drip all the way down to the elbow so that you'd make sure that you were clean. And it was all for show on the outside, going through the motions, no repentance or desire for forgiveness on the inside. Perhaps a good illustration would be something like this as far as how is your worship life? You know, how do we go to church? Oh, because it's sort of habit, you know. My wife always went, so I always went. And what you do is you come in, you sing some songs, you fold your hands, you unfold your hands, you daydream, you stand up, you sit down, you shake hands, you go home. And then uh, why were you there? Because you were afraid that you would be conspicuous by your absence or to do the pastor a favor. Versus, we're here because we just have to be. Because once again, we need the precious message of forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we sing praises to God. And we pray fervently. And we greet each other's other with God's peace. And we leave with the desire of wanting to serve God and listen to his word for the other six days of our lives. You see, it's not what you do, but how and why you do it. And that's why Jesus had to call the Pharisees, you hypocrites. They were pretending on the outside to be something that they really weren't on the inside. And of course, how could Jesus do that? Well, he's the Son of God. He possesses all power. He can look into people's human hearts. And he knew that they were hypocrites. Ever hear anybody say, you know, I'd never join a Christian church? There's too many hypocrites there. I always like to say, well, how would you really know? Because you'd actually have to be able to read somebody's heart because they're pretending on the outside to be something other than what they are on the inside. And besides all that, I say, what in the world do hypocrites have to do with you or me? I come to church for some very selfish reasons. For me, to get my sins forgiven and to be assured of everlasting life for me. Jesus gave some instruction to the crowd after his little tete-a-tete with the Pharisees. And he said, um, nothing that goes into a person from the outside can make him unclean. What it, it's what comes out of a person that makes him unclean. And then later on, Jesus, when he was alone with his disciples and he saw that they still didn't get it, he said, don't you understand? Don't you get it? You might say, Jesus was saying, are you so dense? And Jesus used actually a coarse description then. He says, you know, their logic is not true. You don't have dirty hands, and then it dirties your food, and then it dirties your soul. That's so ridiculous. All food that goes into your mouth goes into your digestive system, and then it goes out the other end. It never touches your heart or your soul. Food 
doesn't have anything to do with your moral defilement. And that's why at that particular time, Jesus pronounced all foods clean that had been restricted from Jewish diet in the past. But the point was that physical food never touches the soul. It's what comes out of a person that makes him unclean. And then Jesus goes through a whole laundry list, in fact, 12 kinds of evil thoughts and actions combined in that dreadful list of vices. Twelve vices that come from the wretched impurity of the human spirit. Now the Pharisees were wrong about this whole thing as there are a lot of other Christian churches in our nation that believe that when a, a child is conceived and born that it is basically morally good. And it only becomes sort of bad by its uh, environment. And if the environment isn't any very good, then the child becomes sort of evil. But Scripture teaches us that we are born evil. We are born hating God. We are conceived in sin. And so we are not victims of an evil world. We are actually perpetrators of evil. The human heart at birth is a cesspool and a septic tank of filth. And none of us are exempt. And maybe if you'd read the list, you'd say, oh, come on, Pastor, you know, evil thoughts, sexual sins, stealing, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, cheating, shameful lust, envy, cursing, arrogance, foolishness. Those are some pretty serious sins, aren't they? A lot of times before Holy Communion, I have a little way of examining myself, a little pamphlet that I got from a now-sainted pastor who has you take a look at all the Ten Commandments. And all the Ten Commandments, by the way, are listed here in their negative form. One of them, do I engage in any form, uh, sexual sins, adultery, shameless lust. The little pamphlets ask you to ask yourself, do I engage in any form of sexual immorality, indulge in any immoral thoughts? Stealing, the Seventh Commandment, oh, certainly we're not guilty there. Question is, do I give generously or am I selfish, stingy, and greedy with my time and money? Guilty. Greed and envy, 10th and 11th commandment. Not guilty. But am I discontent and dissatisfied with what the Lord has given to me? Guilty. Arrogance, foolishness, first commandment issue. Not guilty. In what or whom do I trust most? for financial security, physical safety, and emotional support. Guilty. Cheating and deceit. Oh, certainly not. Question. Do I gossip, listen to rumors, or take pleasure in talking about the faults and mistakes of someone else? Guilty. You see, uncleanness comes not from unwashed hands, from, but from within each of us, from filthy souls. And so the question that we finally have to ask ourselves this morning, how on earth do we get ourselves clean? And it's not by taking a shower and it's not by using all the hand sanitizer that you can find. St. Paul says to Titus these words, He saved us, but not because of anything we had done to gain his approval. Instead, because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing in which the Holy Spirit gives us new birth and renewal. Psalm 51, 
which we're going to pray in just a few moments. King David says, Wash me thoroughly from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Purify me from sin with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a faithful spirit within me. You see, the way to clean hands is by a pure heart and only God can give us a pure heart and then we have clean hands for Christian living. And who can forget Peter on the night of uh, Jesus' betrayal in the upper room? Peter told Jesus, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied to Peter, if I don't wash you, you don't belong to me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, don't wash only my feet, wash my hands and my head too. And this morning we would say, and Jesus, my heart too. Who may go up to the Lord's mountain, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ, you have a clean heart. Washed clean by the only soul detergent in the whole world, the blood of Jesus Christ. Just think of that. Red blood makes you as white as snow through the declaration of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So continue to live for him because you have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And one day you will live for, before him forever, hearts and hands, in righteousness and purity forever. Why? Because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in a little different way this morning by the way of the words of Psalm 51. Please join me. Have pity on me, O God, in keeping with your mercy, in keeping with your unlimited compassion. Wipe out my rebellious acts. Wash me thoroughly from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. I admit that I am rebellious. My sin is always in front of me. I have sinned against you, especially you. I have done what you consider evil. So you hand down justice when you speak, and you are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was born guilty. I was a sinner when my mother conceived me. Yet you desire truth and sincerity. Deep down inside me, you teach me wisdom. Purify me from sin with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear sounds of joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken dance. Hide your face from my sins, and wipe out all that I have done wrong. Create a clean heart in me, O God, and renew a faithful spirit within me. Do not force me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me, and provide me with a spirit of willing obedience. And now we take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs>